Blog Talk Radio. Start of the post-game show for the United States and Mexico in the CONCACAF Men's Olympic qualifying. Uh, we still have stoppage time here going on in the second half. Mexico will still lead 1-0. You and they are trying to advance and attack the U.S. net. The U.S. still has the ball at midfield, and it looks like either there's a foul, which there is a foul, so it's not over just yet in this one. But at the moment, the USA, down a goal to nil. Honestly, this is the only goal that they have um, conceded in the tournament so far. Now the final whistle is blown. It is all over. Mexico, which of course, uh, honestly, this was expected. They were going to uh, win the tournament as the hosts. I shouldn't say win Group A as the hosts. Uh, but, you know, obviously, if a certain error was not made from the United States back line, uh, this probably would have been a scoreless draw. It probably would have been a scoreless draw. And in all honesty, I think Mexico got lucky that, uh, I think Mexico got lucky that uh, basically, uh, they got a goal out of this one. Joining me right now, Carter Krishnar, World Soccer Talk. Um, Carter, I, I mean, mixed emotions, but even though in some ways they lost, um, I, I think the U.S. had a very good performance in this one. I really think they had a solid performance uh, outside of the mental error that allowed Mexico to convert I thought they had a slow start to the beginning of the second half, but then they grew back into the game. But outside of that, I thought they've had some good moments in this one. Uh, I disagree slightly. I think uh, um, the U.S. was really poor uh, in throughout the first half. I, I think the goal actually woke them up. I mean, the goal came right before halftime. And generally, when that happens, that 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 that's a bad a bad harbinger for things to come. But what ended up happening is I think the U.S. The first, I would say, six minutes of the second half were pretty good, and then dropped off um, slightly. Then you you had effectively a triple substitution. They weren't all at the same time, but um, uh, 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 with Ferreira, um, Yule, and uh, Jonathan Lewis coming on, uh, three guys that we we, we assume will start on um, on Sunday. And of course, we we had talked about the other day, Daniel, the idea that that you don't Ferreira. Particularly, maybe you don't even risk him in this match. I like Jason Christ. I will say this now in hindsight. We got away with it, right? He didn't pick up enough belt yellow. yellow. I like the statement it sent the team. I think it said, hey, we're, we're going to try and win this. We're going to go after this. And I think for the final 30 minutes, the U.S. was a better team. Um, so I, I'll slightly disagree with you. I think the U.S., that goal was, was, was kind of freakish. It was, a, it was an error. But I think the U.S. were all over the shop in the first half. I mean, they, there were large periods of the first half. They couldn't, they couldn't string together two or three passes. Um, and uh, we generally looked very tentative. 
but I think that the, the second half was much better. And um, the question now is uh, maybe Sebastian Soto is not the guy uh, you can play centrally. You know, I, I was thinking maybe you could play him centrally and bring Ferreira off, 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 on the, off the right side, um, making diagonal runs. Maybe you, you have to play Ferreira centrally on Sunday, uh, whether it's Handa or Honduras. And, um, uh, you know, Salcedo on one side and, and Lewis on the other, and you just go with that, that front three. Uh, I thought Soto was pretty poor today. And, um, yeah, I mean, so I, I, I guess I do agree with you. I just disagree with you that the U.S. were unlucky in the first half. I think they were clearly the inferior team. And then I would say um, minutes 45 to 60, about even 40, uh, 46 to 60, and then minutes 60 to 90, I, I, I give the edge to the U.S. So, um I guess, Daniel, the way we can look at it is the U.S. were the better team when they had Yule, Lewis, and Ferreira on. So that's something to, uh, to be very pleased about. The thing to be concerned about is that the depth just isn't there. But you have to win one game. That's all you have to win at this point, right? So the depth may not matter. That's it. You, just, you need your, your, your best 11 on Sunday, win that match, and then who, what, you might play Mexico again in the final and lose 4-0. Who cares? You know, you're in the you're exactly. in the Olympics at that point. Who cares? Yeah. Exactly. All that matters is you're in the Olympics. Well, here's the thing. I felt that honestly, I thought Mexico was not tuned in automatically. I thought maybe they had a uh, maybe a decent start to the match, but then I thought they really fell out of favor. Like opening 15 for Mexico, I thought they didn't have anything, and then finally, I guess. Uh, there was a shot of the coaching staff of Mexico saying, okay, we got to change things up. And once they changed things up after the first 15 minutes, then they looked a lot better, which that's what I thought I saw. So that's where I thought I'd give the edge to the U.S. I thought they had a good start to the match. But, yeah, I agree with you. Like, you know, throughout the rest of the first half, the U.S. did not look like themselves. Absolutely. Um, and I thought that was a poor, um, a, uh, a, a, a poor error by the U.S., to allow yeah. themselves to get scored on because, so you know, if you don't... I, 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 yes. Daniel, I hate to say it. I mean, it was, uh, I, American fans like the... You know, a lot of American men's national team fans will look at what happened in the final third and see who's in the frame and not understand that it was a bad giveaway from an attacking player and a completely unforced error that then led to a chain of events that led to a goal. So this we've seen this time and again. You know, I've seen... Uh, the England game uh, at Wembley, uh, Pulisic gives the ball away, and then it, the, the goal uh, fans blame uh, uh, Brooks or, or, or Reed for the goal. And then Bradley gives the ball away in matches, and I, you know, I'm a big Michael Bradley fan, but Bradley gives the ball away, and then the, the defender gets blamed. I mean, again, this, this seems to be a recurring theme in, in U.S. men's soccer history recently that highly touted attacking players give the ball away in bad positions, particularly when we're playing out of the back. And then everybody is scrambling after that, right? So, I mean, I put that right. goal squarely on, on the unforced error, as I think you did also. Um, exactly. So, yeah, sorry. I just wanted to interject that because I don't want to get down this rabbit hole where we're blaming uh, defenders and, and saying that, that they were making mistakes. And, and uh, I think the other thing, Daniel, uh, I should have said this at the outset, another big takeaway is Ochoa in goal. It, it, I don't think it's even close a one-two contest. The Chola showed me start, something tonight, and I, 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 I uh, might tweet this. Probably will tweet it tomorrow. Um, he showed me something. He showed me some uh, composure tonight that I think even a lot of U.S. senior 
goalkeepers, some of the, the great goalkeepers we've talked about in our history haven't had in matches against Mexico. So I, I really uh, I really like what I saw from, from that kid today. Oh, I, I love Ochoa. Ochoa is fantastic. And uh, like I said, you know, if there's going to be a battle between him and Zach Steffen, you know, let's go. Let's see what's going to happen. Yeah. And if Ochoa unseats him, then go for it. I mean, if Zach Steffen still reclaims the first spot, I'd let Ochoa be in the Gold Cup tournament this summer. Uh, I'd give him a, a qualifier here and there to give Zach Steffen a break. Someone's going to be number two, or someone's going to force Steffen to be number two. So we're going to have to wait and see what's going to happen. Real quick, um, we got my friend Ahan from Chicago calling in. He wants to give his take. Go ahead, Ahan. What did you see from this one? Yeah, thanks for so much for having me. Yeah, I think, you know, when I, when I look at these types of games, I think the main thing I'm seeing is, you know, I want to see how um, Christ and his team executes the system that the Halters got them playing, which is building out of the back, you know, breaking lines of the passing. I think it was it was good. I mean, I like Kessler looked had a couple moments where he, he really looked confident in stepping that midfield. And, you know, they had their moments, but I think that, I mean, it's, it just lacked, ultimately they lacked the quality in the midfield with, with Johnny had a shocker in the first half. I mean, Perea is just not that number six who's going to sit deep and spray balls around, you know, and break lines in his passing. And, you know, Dawson's more of a more of a center attack mid. He's not going to really pick up the balls in between the lines and, you know, connect the, connect the midfield to the, the front three. So, I, mean, I think that, you know, I like they were trying to go out of the back and just Mexico team. And obviously Mexico was pressing pressing pretty decently. It was nothing crazy, but they were doing, they were doing a good press. But, you know, I think ultimately – um, quality just wasn't there, um, especially in that midfield. I mean, that midfield was just brutal. I mean, I think it was just brutal. And then even when Jackson Yule came on, Yule gave gave a little more composure, but still had his moments where, you know, he just got just awful passing. So, I, I mean, like if I'm looking at the performance, I thought they were good defensively. I mean, USA teams are typically good defensively, so, I mean, nothing, nothing special there. Um, you know, good defensively, just – I don't know what Soto was thinking on that one. I mean, fucking nine should not be dropping in your six. I mean, I, I mean, if you have to drop that deep to get the ball, that's just ridiculous. Um, and then I thought Mexico just bang average. I mean, bang average performance in Mexico. Nothing special. You know, they didn't try trying anything. Let their quality shine through with their uh, front three, and you know that that that's what happened. In the goal, and um, yeah, nothing much to say. But you know, I think I'll take the one zero loss. Um, I'm disappointed. Obviously, I think a lot of us are disappointed. I I thought we were going to win. I also think we were going to win. We could play, you know, Messi's Argentina team. And I still think we'll win. But, you know, I thought there was a couple of good moments. I thought there's still there's still a lot of questions, though. And what really disappoints me is that, you know, I think I have more questions and answers right now about this Houston national poll just because of some of the performances by guys like Ewell. I mean, Saucedo had a shocker today. I mean, I, I, I rated Soto so highly, and he was poor today. Johnny... I mean, you've heard so much good stuff about him. He was poor today. So, you know, I think it's – I mean, they've got to qualify, but I don't know. I have mixed feelings. I think it's I think it's good, but I think there's still a lot of question marks there. Yeah, I'll agree with – I'll agree with Ohan with that, Cardick, because it didn't feel like your typical USA-Mexico game. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I Even I – there were times even Mexico was just – not on their game. I, I thought that they just were, were playing a bit average. They're playing good defensively. Um, I mean, they brought up the ball, but as always, I think with these kids, it's like, well, if I die for, if, if I, if I go down for the foul, I get the foul call, then, you know, we'll, we'll take advantage. And, you know, nine times out of 10, um, that didn't happen. And even that one play in the second half where, 
you know, I mean, there was contact, but it's not enough contact to push someone down or anything like that. And they didn't even get the call for the foul, which, of course, they were upset. But, I mean, Atuna was upset. But still, though, I really thought Mexico did – the under-23 team did not bring their A game at the same time. I think this was probably one – I mean, we all understand it's under-23s. It's the Olympic qualifying tournament. They both had to qualify, which they did. They're going into the semifinals. We'll see what happens in Group B tomorrow. But in all fairness, I, I think this was probably more of a ho-hum uh, USA-Mexico game than I would say what you've seen in the past, either senior side or youth side. Yeah, yeah I think, ho-hum, uh, but I, Oh, sorry. I was going to well, say ahead, I agree it. with your point about no the, the two, two players in particular, uh, about Johnny and Pereira. I mean, so my, my concern is that if Yule isn't that number six, one, we don't have uh, – because Pereira has not looked like he could string passes together this whole tournament. Um, so if, if you don't have a good six coming out of this set of players, you are still really thin there. I know we can talk forever about McKin- – McKinney's more of an eight, and we've seen him play at Juve more of an, as an eight the last month, especially under Pirlo. Um, and Adams, we've talked about his versatility, different positions, but there isn't enough cover in central midfield uh, going into qualifying based on what we've seen. I, I completely agree with you about Johnny. Uh, what, what, he's been a disappointment this tournament. And, uh, yeah, Salcedo was poor today. Also, I, I would agree with that. I just think that we've seen some glimpses from him in the first two matches that give me a little more confidence in him. But, yeah, I, I have to agree with your assessment about the individual players. I can't disagree with anything you said, honestly. Right. I think especially no. when, you know, I think not to get in like the really nitty gritty, but I think that, that midfield, I mean, listen, if you're, if you're the United States, right. And you're saying, okay, we want to make this next step in our, in our soccer. You know, we want to be that team that's going to boss possession against Mexico in, in Azteca. Right. I mean, that, Ultimately, like the the first thing you say when you're like, okay, we want to do this, is your number six and your number eight, okay? And you know, a lot of times teams, you know, they'll try to like, they'll their number six, like the U.S. in the past had destroyers at number six, right? So guys like Jones, you know, guys that Beckerman, that are like good in possession, but they're gonna like they're gonna get stuck in, they're gonna stop, they're gonna destroy the other team's rhythm, right? But Tyler Adams has has that capability of being a destroyer, but also picking those passes. And McKinney is, you know, we, he can run around all the field at that number eight. But when you're, when you're, when you think about like, okay, you know, this is CONCACAF, like these guys are going to go and they're going to get hacked. And they're, I mean, it's, it's CONCACAF. You saw today. I mean, 16 fouls, no yellows. Like that, the yellow card that Herrera got, it's like, this is CONCACAF. Like these guys are going to get smashed, right? So let's, I mean, if Tyler Adams gets hurt, right? Or Weston McKinney gets hurt, right? Then what do you do? Jackson Ewell, I rated Jackson Ewell so highly. I said he was the best MLS player that's on the U.S. men's national team. I mean, he just didn't show that. And when you're trying to and, – and, and it, like, it was just – besides Jackson Ewell, like, is there a number six on the pool that can – you know you know what I'm saying? And that makes it so crucial. And this tournament has just – I mean, it's really just it, – it's really not, you know, like it helped my confidence at all. The U.S. and the Australian depth at all. I mean, it's it's really been disappointing to be honest. I don't know what you guys have to say, but yeah, yeah, and, and actually, you make a great point about Concacaf because I think our previous managers always felt like even if you had a ball playing uh, six or an eight, you needed someone flanking them that was destroyer. 
So even when we had Michael Bradley, we would flank him with Rico Clark. We couldn't play Filehopper and Bradley together. So it would be Clark and Adu with Bradley. If Kleiston was playing, uh, Bradley couldn't play, right? You couldn't play two of those guys together. And then same thing more recently with Jones and Beckerman uh, under Klinsman. And uh, even going back to Arena, Arena liked if Arena was going to play Richie Williams, he had to play Chris Armas next to him or Pablo Mastroeni next to him. So in qualifying, right, it's different when you're playing a European competition that's going to keep the ball and not be as, as chippy. So you make a great point. We don't have that guy um, who, who's the cover at, at the six. We're going, to be, we're going to try and keep the ball more. We're going to try and spray the ball around a little more with the guys we've got now, control more possession than we have in the past. So I like the balance in our squad first 11, but we know uh, players get injured. We know American players get injured especially, right? McKinney's had some, has, has had, had some injury problems at Schalke the last two seasons. Adams has had uh, injury after injury since getting to Leipzig. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yule uh, and, and uh, Perea and, and, and really Johnny, all the guys we've seen in the, in the midfield who could play as a sixth or an eight in this tournament have been uh, disappointing, and I'm now, as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking in my head, who else is out there in our pool that we can throw in? Um, you know, Leggett is an eight, right? Or even a ten. Uh, I'm just trying to search for names because you're right. Maybe we don't have the cover there that we thought we did coming into this tournament. Yeah, I think that's the good no, thing. No, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I think it's I think it's a good thing though about these terms because I mean, before the tournament, I think you had every USA fan that penciled in Cardoso was that you know. In, like automatically you're in the squad, but you know, I think this tournament. I mean, like if if I think this tournament was. I mean, it's it's been a re- revelation in some ways because I was really I was really looking forward to. And I like I get all the excuses about our D squad and whatever. Like I don't I don't give a shit about all that to be honest. Like this is the U.S. Like if we're trying to make the next step, I mean we have to have better showings in. By, by guys like Cardoso and Yule. And, I mean, Yule had a poor game against Trinidad and Tobago, too. If, I think he played that game last time. I mean, but, you know, I mean, I think that I was really looking for this team to make a next step. And I just, Christ, I mean, you could say all you want about Christ and his managerial record, but I thought that he got it wrong, I mean, multiple ways. I thought that this team was just, I thought it was disappointing. I thought the Costa Rica game was disappointing. Dominican Republic, better second half, fine. Dominican Republic should be beating them. That should have been Four zero every day of the week, you know, and then this this game like I mean, I actually I actually have doubts against Canada or Honduras if you know when we get there I mean it'd be a sh- it's kind of unthinkable but this this I mean this this is supposed to be the next step and if this is what we're getting like after the last cycle yeah we've had better players but like I mean as a whole it hasn't been hasn't been anything like you know wow we're playing great soccer. No, I, yeah, I agree and with you right cycle, now. I mean, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Carter. I, I was going to say last cycle we were we were really. Uh, I, I think that when we when we lost in the qualifiers in early 2012, uh, it wasn't it was a shock to the system, but we we knew we had a we were down. But last cycle, the way we lost to Honduras in 2015, uh, I thought, uh, and and that was a, a a good squad. In fact, I mean, there were guys that Klinsman had left on that squad that we probably could have used later that day against Mexico in the, in the CONCACAF Cup, right, the, 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 the qualifier for the Confederations Cup. Uh, yeah, I agree with you because then I, I, I think now I said, okay, that squad may have been more talented overall, but this squad is going to have a lot of glue in midfield, and we're going to be able to keep the ball, keep possession. As I said earlier before you called in, 
Uh, we couldn't string. There were large portions of the first half where we, with, with particularly with Johnny and, and, and Perea in the midfield, where we couldn't string together two or three passes. Uh, even sideways, right, even side to side, we couldn't string passes together, let alone going forward. So um, that really concerns me because I think what, what you will see is potentially Honduras or Canada, whoever we face, drop off, um, allow us to keep the ball, but then take spots to press high, create a mistake. Uh, and particularly if you have a situation where the team gets discombobulated, Soto has to come back, or whoever the nine is, will be Ferreira probably in, in that match, has to come back. There's some disorder, then there's a bad giveaway, and then before you know it, the ball's in the back of the other net. So that's uh, uh, really kind of my concern. I, 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 yeah, I'm not feeling uh, terribly confident about Sunday, but uh, I guess maybe still cautiously optimistic, maybe. I think they'll have enough. Yeah, they have to get off to a good start. Right, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, the, yeah they have to get off to a good start at least. They gotta, and I will say this before you go on. Let me just say this. Um, yep. And I'm not using it as an excuse, but I'm using it more as fact because did this under-23 team have any, uh, you know, inter- any friendlies to play before uh, they came? They went down to Guadalajara. Did they have any friendlies? We all know this pandemic has been really a pain in the butt, you know, from start to finish. And I'm not using it as an excuse, but it's more of a reality Later. right now because that is why I felt that the first game against Costa Rica, yeah, they just got out of there. With the three points, they got the goal. They, they did not get scored on. The goal that did get into the net was called for offside against Costa Rica. But the truth is they came out with the three points, and that's it. Did they play great in that one? Absolutely not. They did not play well at all. They got the goal they needed to get. Second half, they were really, really defending way too much. They were just reacting. They were not progressing. They're not doing the things they were supposed to do. And yeah, I do blame it a, a little bit on the pandemic because there was no international friendlies of any kind that I ever, I ever saw. So I don't, no. you know, unfortunately th- th- this is, this is the reality that we all have to face. And we all know what goes on. MLS has not started yet. It's going to start in about two to three weeks on April 16th, 17th, 18th, that weekend. Uh, you know, there's been no MLS season to start off in March. The Champions League, the CONCACAF Champions League hasn't started yet either until uh, in two weeks at least. So, you know, for some of these players, unfortunately, um, they haven't gotten any minutes under their belt. They had nothing under their belt at all. I mean, basically, this tournament was it. These two games before before tonight's match, those were the games that they had to get back into the swing of things just so that they can get into a rhythm of some sort. And like I said, that's the Costa Rica game that I'm talking about. You know, it's the pandemic. There's nothing you can do about it until, you know, we finally get back into the swing of things. But once again, everyone is on their own clock. You know, Liga MX is probably going on right now. Um, those yeah, players are yeah, able to play. Yeah, you saw, and, you and that's all that. I can say. I know you don't want to use it as an excuse. I'm not. I'm just using it as a reality check because of the pandemic that is still here. But hopefully, you know, the next time we get to the next qualification cycle for the Olympics, we won't have to worry about stuff like this anymore. So that's all I'm saying. Right. But you can go ahead, Ahana. I'm, you can go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just the last thing I was going to say is, you know, I think tomorrow we got Jamaica, and I was just, I was just, you know. I think my my final point is that you know I I think that you know it's time now like the U.S. really needs to start kicking in gear in terms of like 
you know, playing better opponents, you know, kind of getting the – I mean, it's really disappointing that we can't get, like, you know, full camp together of all the Euro guys, but, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, I think it's time for the U.S. to finally, like, make that next step with, you know, the U-20s. Um, you know, U-20s, man, I thought the, the higher Anthony Hudson for the U-20 group is a good step. Um, I thought Christ – you know, I'm not a huge fan of Christ. I think we do better, but it is what it is. But I think that, you know, tomorrow versus Jamaica and later versus Northern Ireland and then Switzerland and just in general for U.S. soccer, I mean, it's I think it's time for us to finally, you know, start, start. I mean, it's kind of hard to, like, put a benchmark, but, I mean, it, the way we just couldn't go out of the back today and we've been trying to instill that in the Federation for such a long time, and I think it's time for us to finally start, you know, I don't know how to say this, but, like, making that next step, like, showing progress. You know what I'm saying? And I think that yeah. the U.S., you know, we've been playing these minnows, like Trinidad and Tobago, right? And you've got guys, like, whatever, scoring, whoever, whatever, doing whatever, just dominating possession. But, like, I mean, you can't read into games like that. And you can't read into games like this either with what's happening. But I just really hope that, you know, today I saw some good stuff. But I saw a lot of bad stuff. I just – I was really hoping that we could finally play out of the back, play great soccer, you know, but that just didn't happen. But I think it's time for the U.S. to really start. Like, this World Cup qualifying campaign is starting soon. I know we're going to qualify. We could play an all-on-less team. I still think we could qualify. But, you know, we really, like, if we want to have a good showing at that World Cup, it's time that Bo Halter's system and, you know, what we're trying to do as a group really starts kicking into gear now. And we see true progress. So, you know, we're playing teams like Switzerland. We're playing teams like, you know, we're, I don't know, we're dominating teams like Wales in possession. Northern Ireland, massive one for me because that is a similar team to Wales. They've got a lot of pieces. They're going to sit low. You know, how will guys like Robinson look? We need to dominate that game possession. And there's no excuse that we had one day of practice or whatever. We need to dominate that game possession. If we do that, then I can confidently say we're making progress. If it's the same game against Wales or if we've got guys like Robinson struggling, we've got a disjoint midfield with a lot of pieces, then we have a serious problem. I'm just going to say that. And thanks so much for having me. Uh, I look forward to the game tomorrow against Jamaica. I think it's tomorrow, right? I think it's 12 o'clock? Yes, it is. Um, yep, yep, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, noon your time. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, take care. Good night, guys. I'm going to hit the hay. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for coming on. It's Ahan, my friend in Chicago, Chicago Fire guy, uh, big supporter for the Chicago Fire, very good guy. And let me just say this, Cardick, and uh, just to continue on, everyone, for your scenes Fire American Soccer Show, this is the CONCACAF Men's Olympic Qualifying USA at Mexico postgame show. Carter Krishnair with me from World Soccer Talk as well. This is Daniel Feuerstein. Um And I'm not disagreeing with anything he says. I think he's spot on. And But once again, it <sighs> You know, this is where I think, as a whole, we're stuck because it is CONCACAF. We're not in UEFA. We're not in. We're not in CONMEBOL. We're nowhere near to play any qualifiers in either South America or in Europe right now. I mean, maybe we edge it into the uh, international playoffs. But I'll say this right now: you play in a group with Germany in it, you're going to get waxed both there and here regardless of what's going on, because the Germans know, Kardik, when it's time to turn it on. I know they always come over here. They play friendlies against us. They love playing friendlies against us. But the truth is they don't show their full team because they don't have to. 
I mean, they'll bring in a couple of players here and there. They'll bring over some players that they want to look at and see how they perform and what they do and all this and all that. But they don't really show you their entire deck of cards. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why, why think, they keep uh, it over there. Right, right. I think that there were uh, a lot of people who were confused in 2015 of when we beat the Netherlands and we beat Germany on successive match days uh, uh, in friendlies. And, and I, I was concerned about the, the, the state of the team from what we had seen uh, to that point uh, uh, following the 2014 World Cup. And, uh, I, you know, it, it, it had absolutely no relevance to what then happened in the Gold Cup later that summer where we got uh, – uh, we, we were terrible, right? We, we were bad in yeah. every Gold Cup match. Uh, that, with the exception, I think we played Cuba right in the quarterfinals, and we were fine. Exactly. But the, every group yeah. game, we were poor, even though we won the group, and then Jamaica beat us in the in the semifinals. Right. So, um, right. th- yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the thing. These friendlies can be deceptive. I I, I love this point about um, Wales. Wales, we didn't see the full Welsh team, and I thought because Wales was playing a younger team, we would dominate possession and lost that match. In midfield, when we, yeah. the, the nil-nil doesn't bother me. It's that I thought we would boss the match, and we didn't. Uh, Northern Ireland is a similar team, right? Northern Ireland has been close to qualifying for a couple tournaments now. They they lost in the playoffs both for Euros and for World Cup. They made the previous Euros, but they uh, they lost in the in the in the playoffs for the uh, for the World Cup to Switzerland controversially. But so they were almost a World Cup team in eighteen. Yep, uh, about as close as we were. And then uh, 2020, they just lost, uh, surprisingly, in, in the playoff uh, to Slovakia. Um, in, in, uh, so they're coming off uh, not qualifying for a tournament they thought they would. So I don't know if they're going to be uh, how, how motivated they're going to be, but it's a good test because it's a team. Northern Ireland has been a team in Europe that defends deep and hits people on uh, set pieces, right? Draws set pieces and, and, and wins uh, aerial battles. It's the type of team we should be able to move the ball around against and maintain yeah. possession and, and, and show our superiority in terms of footballing skill and footballing um, uh, you know, pedigree. So this is the thing I think we all want to see. Right. We want to see some evolution in the quality of play, and we want to see guys that can play within Burhalter's system. Because the thing we, not, we understand is Burhalter's not going to change his system, right? No. And he's not going to – No, unless unless he's going to have another major breakdown. Right. So the thing, Daniel, we have to to accept this at this point, okay? I know everyone wants to talk about it. Oh, he shouldn't have gotten the job. He got the job because of his brother. He got the job because they didn't want guys like Jesse Marsh, who we were favoring, who were more opinionated, or guys like uh, uh, Juan Carlos Osorio, who might have a better pedigree. We, we know that. That's done. It's, it's been over for three years, right? He, he's been the coach now, yep. effectively the coach for three years. We knew because we knew he yep. was getting the job in the summer of 2018. And we also now know, Daniel, he will not change his system. We know that he, no. he is a system guy. He has a, a specific style of football he wants this, this, this side to play, and he is not going to deviate from it. And if, if the personnel, if it doesn't fit the personnel, uh, he's just going to get. He's just going to select other guys. So um, and 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 you know, let's be fair about this. I think the fact that Burhalter has an actual footballing philosophy. I, I mean, I haven't. We have. We have to fair is fair. We have. We have to take the good with the bad. Um, I think yeah. the fact that Burhalter has an actual footballing philosophy that that fits certain players is the reason why Sergio Dest 
committed to the U.S. and not to the Netherlands. So that's a victory for the U.S., and I don't know that guess as much as I favored Marsh and as much as I, I, I would have liked to have seen Burmese get an interview or Osorio. We know Oscar Pereira did get an interview, uh, and I think he probably overall would be a better choice to see now what he's doing with Orlando City, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I think Guest committed to the U.S. because of Verhalter and because it's a sy- good system for him. It's a system he grew up playing yeah. in, the IX system. And then I think Yudis Musa, Musa, uh, Musa has also committed to the U.S. because the way Burhalter uses his attacking midfielders fits Musa's preferences. Um, now, in fairness, it would have been tough for him to break into the England team. They have so many good attacking midfielders, Foden, Mount, Madison, Grealish, etc. But um, I, we have to give Burhalter some credit that because he has a style, he's getting dual nationals to pick the U.S. But it's also an indication that Burhalter knows that the guy that he's inherited in the player pool can't necessarily play that style, and he's not going to change his system to adapt to his personnel. His personnel is going to have to adapt to his system, which is why uh, if he needs to find a dual national like Jeff or Muse to play in his system, he will. So that's also a warning to the other guys who may not, who may say, oh, you know, we're fine in, in, in we were fine under uh, Arena or under. Uh, uh, under Bradley, but, but you know, we can't, it's tougher to play with this quick passing and playing out of the back and uh, kind of this, 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 this tempo style that Verhalter has. You may not be in the national team then. I, I hate to say it because I know we've all criticized the Verhalter appointment, but let's just be, be honest now. He is the manager. These are his preferences. This is his style. And uh, you're, either gonna, you're gonna either fit in the system or you're not going to get capped by the national team. So in, in the case of the guys that uh, we've been talking about tonight. Those th- the, the 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 three midfielders, Yule, Perea, and Johnny Cardoza, have all shown that they they they, they would struggle in a Burhalter system. Christ is playing a little differently, right? So right. I um I I think that that's a very bad sign for all three of them because Burhalter is liable to find a dual national somewhere or someone else who's playing in MLS who can play that sort of game. Now this is why Will Trapp. I know everyone wanted to criticize Will Trapp. But this is the reason Will Trapp stayed in the national team for so long, because he could at least keep the ball moving side to side, which, which I'm not sure these guys are showing they're able to do in a high-tempo situation. You may, you may say Trapp never passed yeah. the ball forward, but he didn't give the ball away as much as these guys do. So let's, let's, let's uh, go back and think about that. So, yeah, some, some, some things uh, we do want to see in the next few days, but I guess uh, that's the senior national team. We need to focus on Sunday with the, with the U23s. Yes, we have to. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. You could always watch them. You could always see what they're going to do because uh, that's what Burhalter is going to do. We have to watch what Jason Christ is going to do on Sunday afternoon. We have to watch what Christ is going to do with this under-23 team and how he's going to have to get everyone back down on the same page. Um, got to sneeze here for one second. If I can hold uh, – nope. Okay. So uh, – oh, boy. All right. So, anyway, as I was trying to say is that – these players right now, there had to be a rotation. There had to be a rotation. Some of these players that needed an opportunity to go out there to face Mexico. Now, you want to call it a B team right there? That's fine. It's okay. You want to call it a C team? That's fine, too. You know, you would like to see a little more cohesiveness, especially a guy like Sebastian Soto, which I agree with you, Kardec. He disappointed because I think he might have been out of position. And at the same time, you know, 
what he did in the under-20s with Tab Ramos, which is a probably completely different system, maybe the 4-3-3 is not to his liking. Maybe he is not someone that is used to a setup like that, to that type of formation. Who knows? Maybe the tactics did not work for him. Maybe he's better coming off the bench than being a starter. Because if he comes off better as a substitute, then maybe he's a little bit more dynamic. Not a lot of minutes. He's probably a 20-minute guy, 25-minute guy. You never know. But, you know, I'm not disagreeing with you. If you were um, upset with Sebastian So's performance, so was I. Because he did well under Tab Ramos. And I really believe, and this is just my opinion, and I'm not saying Tab does not deserve to be a head coach in MLS or any Division One club. He got what he deserved. He wanted it. He felt his time as a youth national team coach was over and done with. He's going to move on. He wants to move forward. He wants to be with the big boys. And I understand that. And congrats to him and good luck to him this season for his second time as head coach of the Houston Dynamo. But, um, you know, t- with, 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 with no Tab Ramos with the youth national teams, there's something lacking maybe a little bit. And I hope that's not the case. But when you are being managed by a legend of this game, like he is for U.S. soccer, I, honestly, I, I think you're missing out on something right now. I, feel, I really think you are. Yeah, I, I, but again, I, I think U.S. soccer has – at one time, these, uh, these jobs were pretty attractive with the Federation, but I, I don't think they are anymore. I mean, I, I – I think that the tipping point was when Peter Nowak uh, left the U23s um, and, and being an assistant coach with uh, the full national team in the middle of the, right before the Confederation Cup in 2009 to take, uh, to take the, the Philly Union job a year before they kicked the ball, or nine months before they kicked the ball. But from that point on, I think the youth national team jobs have been kind of these poison chalices because uh, the, the player pool was never as good as, as the fans believe it is. I mean, this is a continuous problem in U.S. soccer where uh, the fans overrate young players, and then there's this vicious cycle of then the coach being under pressure. Why do you want that when you could manage an MLS team um, and, and build something uh, and have control of your own destiny? So uh, Tab did his time and uh, had done very well with the U20s um, and, and, and moved on. So I think that that's where we're at with this, uh, you're going to get recycled guys like the John Ellingers and the John Hackworths and, and, uh, and Hackworth has done well with Louisville city, by the way, but you know, these are, and, and Jason Christ now, these kind of recycled, um, us, us soccer federation, MLS styled, uh, uh, um, uh, I don't want to say company men. That's too strong a term, but these guys that have been around, um, and yeah. who aren't going to rock the boat too much. So I, I, I think, uh, there was a there, there there have been um, uh, that was the same same thing with Anthony Hudson. I mean, I think there've been uh, although he's doing a, a fairly good job with that team. Um, I think that there's a hesitation to bring in just like with the senior national team, a hesitation to bring in a, a guy who's really going to shake things up. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the 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 style of football um, that that uh, Jesse Marsh would have brought and the intensity that Peter Vermees would have brought, that, that's the sort of thing they want to avoid, it looks like, U.S. soccer. But they have married themselves to a system with Greg Berhalter. So this is pretty important. And there's a very um, strong Dutch flavor um, at, at U.S. soccer with, with Ernie Stewart 
serving as the technical director with Greg Berhalter, who played most of his career, or maybe about half of it, but played in, played more more in the Netherlands than in any other country. I know he moved around a lot, but he, he played. Uh, I don't I don't think he played most of his career there, but he played there longer than anywhere else, including in the U.S., including in MLS. Yeah, and. Uh, and then, uh, actually, on the women's side, Kate McGrath is a great admirer of Dutch football, and she's now taking over the women's national team program. So there's a there, there, there's a kind of a, a, a direction in terms of style to playing the way Ajax plays, playing the way the Netherlands play. Um, I think it's very laudable, but when your teams in MLS are not playing that style, and your guys in Europe are playing in systems that are different, uh, you know what Pirlo's trying to do it at. Uh, Juventus is kind of similar if, if, if he's not sacked after this season because they're not going to win the title, clearly. I mean, let's see if they even stay in the top four. The, the Skinner was gone for them. But uh, that's okay for McKinney. But Nagelsmann's uh, style is completely different. Uh, the, the system Adams in, it's actually very similar to what he – it's the same system he played in under uh, Marsh, actually, at, at, at New York um, with, with your club. So, you know, he, he, the coach he's got now in, in Ulian Nagelsmann, one of the great – uh, arguably top top three young coaches in the world, Nagelsmann. He's playing in that system. That's not like the system Verhalter plays. And then you have uh, 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 Werder Bremen doesn't play that style where Sargent's playing. And then obviously uh, when you look at the guys, the U.S. guys in England um, uh, that are playing yeah. in England right now, uh, they don't play in that system. You know, DK plays at, at Barnsley. They play very much kind of a traditional uh, 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 style, English style, where they pu- push it out to the winger or the winger, uh, plays the ball, you know, it's a quick guy. DK fits that system. He may not fit Berhalter's system as well. We were, and we're all excited about how he's doing at Barnsley. We're all excited about how he played at Orlando, but we don't know how he fits Berhalter's same system. Same thing with uh, with Pulisic. So uh, I guess that's the big question mark going forward, uh, uh, Daniel, is about uh, how these guys fit in Greg Berhalter's system. Exactly. We'll see what happens here. We'll see what Jason Christ will do on Sunday. Really quick, I want to go to Eric Gomez. Um, he tweeted out, of course, Spanish language commentator for ESPN, for ESPN Deportes. Uh, it honestly doesn't even matter that we lost to Mexico tonight. This is our C, maybe D team. And to be honest, making the Olympics was always the, uh, the main goal. Plus, we have so much talent in the pipeline. Eltree is going to be so – and this is what he says – uh, Eltree's going to be so sorry in 2030. Do you know who uh, Eunice Musa is? I mean, if you're telling me that you're ranking and rating the USA higher because we have Musa on the team, I mean, hey, I'll take that any day. I mean, the way he's played over in Valencia and, and you know, the sheer luck of – and I'll say this right now, Cart, the sheer luck of having three Americans playing in La Liga – Two are at Barcelona. One is at Valencia. I mean, this is just an amazing situation. And, you know, this is a dream that has come true for me. I mean, we all know what's going on in, in Germany, you know, with McKenney in Italy and Pulisic in England. Anyone, any American that goes to England, you know, that, that mountain has already been conquered. The German mountain's been conquered. The Italian mountain has now been conquered. But to me, La Liga is the greatest valley of them all. And to stick our flag there 
is the biggest conquering dream I've ever had as a American soccer fan, reporter, whoever have you. Because you've got two players playing at one of the best clubs in the world and another one playing in Valencia right now as an American player. It is, Daniel, but I will once again say that the two guys we have, Conrad De La Fuente is from here in, here in South Florida, and I have a, a great deal of fondness for him. I hope he breaks through at Barcelona, uh, who is whole judgment on that. But the two guys that are starting regularly, uh, and Rousse hasn't been starting as much recently for Valencia. They're having a hard time the last month or so in the league. But uh, Death starts every match for Barcelona, every, every important match for Barcelona. Uh, those two guys are both dual national. So, again, if we can't take credit for our development. We have, to, we have to say Greg Berhalter has done a good job of recruiting dual nationals. Um, but see, this is the point. Berhalter's system actually lends itself to guys who play in La Liga. That league and the Dutch league are most closely, the, the, the style of play most closely resembles what Berhalter wants to do with the U.S. Uh, I apologize for my cats in the background. Uh, but That's so okay. we're going to need to have more guys in La Liga if, uh, if Berhalter is going to take us all the way through 2026. I think he'd prefer to have players playing there. That, I mean, he's not going to – beggars can't be choosers, right? If we have 10 guys playing in the Bundesliga, that's great. I don't think you can complain about that. Yeah. But I, no. all things being equal, Berhalter would prefer 10 guys playing in La Liga to 10 guys playing in – uh, in Bundesliga or Premier League, right? I think that that's the league also. As you say, it's the biggest mountain to climb. It's also the uh, the biggest mountain to conquer. It's also the, the, the league that probably, given who our manager is and given that he's into his own system and style, you want your guys playing in if possible because I think that that's the best simulation for, for what Verhals was trying to do here. Yeah, exactly. And here's the one thing I think that um... – uh, the one failure in this game tonight, outside of the error by Soto, can build from the back when you play against Mexico. I know, like you said, Berhalter's got his system. This is how he develops the attack. You've got to build from the back to move the ball up. I, I really think you just can't do that against a team like Mexico, especially your rivals. You, you just cannot build the, yeah, but build the attack from the back. You but can't do it. Do it. You just cannot build no, the but, but build we're up. do it, Daniel. That's the problem. We're, I mean, we're, we're, we can say we can't do it. I agree with you, actually. I, I would like to see a little more pragmatism and, 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 and uh, trying to beat a press, uh, playing balls over the top, et cetera. But we're not going to do that. Burr Halter has made that clear. His style is the style. Um, so we have, to, we have to get better at playing out of the back, and we have to play a little quicker, and we've got to play a little smarter, and the shape has to be good. Um, that's, that's the point. I mean, you're not wrong. I'm just saying – He's not going to change the way he – he's not going to change his style. It's pretty obvious. If we run into trouble in qualifying, it'll be interesting to see if, 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 if his back is against the wall, what he does. But I, every indication I, I've seen thus far, Daniel, is that he is more married to his system than most coaches are at the club level. At the club level, which is where this stuff happens, let alone the national team level, where you just take a bunch of guys and try and fit them into, in, in, into whatever shape you can. So um, – that's, uh, uh, that, that's just something we're going to have to deal with. And I don't know if uh, U.S. soccer had thought about this when he was hired, uh, that, that, that he's more of a stylist and, and kind of inflexible and he's not pragmatic at all, which is very different than Bob Bradley and Bruce Arena, our two most successful managers of all time. Um, or uh, if they had thought about that and they gave him the job, hoping he could impose that style. Um, 
I don't know what the answer is, or if he just got the job because of who, you know the reasons we a lot of people think he got the job. But the consequences are this: he has a definitive style. We are going to play out of the back. We are going to be playing with uh, our fullbacks at times tucking inside. We are going to be playing uh, with with uh, uh, a number of sixes that are not ball winners but are distributors. So you, you won't have a Chris Harmus in this team. You won't have a Pablo Mascareni in this team. You won't have a Rico Clark in this team. Those kinds of guys are not going to get picked by Burhalter. So we have to just accept what it is and, and, and get on with it, unfortunately. Yeah, we're going to just have to get on with it, unfortunately. Uh, final standings, Group A. Of course, Mexico wins the group. They're 3-0. and uh, USA takes second place, uh, six points. And uh, the funny thing is, that's the only goal in these first three group stage games, Kardec, that the U.S. has conceded. They've only conceded one goal. That was tonight. So uh, five scored and one against uh, in the group. Costa Rica pulverizes Dominican Republic. They score five on Dominican Republic. They'll hold on to third place with the win, so that gives them three points. And then, of course, Dominican Republic, um, uh, I would say a valiant effort showing, of course, valiant showing for them. Uh, they, of course, are in dead last in Group A with zero points. This is where there's going to be a lot of scoreboard watching, and there's going to be a lot of uh, teeth being pulled, gnashed, hair being pulled, anything and everything, because you're going to have Haiti taking on El Salvador. Those teams have a point each. You've got, of course, Canada taking on Honduras. Um, They both have four points each. So basically... You have three sides up, you know, for two spots, up for grabs. It all depends on what happens because it's really simple. If Honduras and Canada end in a draw, they'll both go. If one of them loses, obviously one gets knocked out, and the other game, someone's going to go and take third place and move up to second because they'll get four points on a win. And then it's all goal differential or head-to-head. Because as of right now, don't know what it is at the moment on the goal differential uh, or goal, you know, or the, uh, the, the aggregate or whatever it is. But I'll tell you right now, Kardec, this situation tomorrow to finish off the group stage in Group B, this is going to be very, very interesting to watch. And we are going to have to stay glued to the television because – that first match will be probably for second place, and then the then the last match will be for first place. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I don't have any preference as to who to play. Look, I mean, I, I, mean, I guess if you held the gun to my head, I would want to avoid Honduras, uh, but we have to just we have to beat whoever we play. It's pretty simple. I mean, Honduras beat us last time. Right and, and and El Salvador beat us the time before. Uh, I, I I think uh, the the Honduras team last time was a better team. Uh, Canada has uh, a, a, an interesting team, but obviously they've got a similar situation where they have two outstanding young players who would be age eligible, Jonathan David and and uh, Alfonso Davies, who are playing at the very top uh, of, of the world game right now. Um, David. Uh, uh, playing alongside Timmy Weah, right, at Will, and, and, and uh, has them yep. uh, in contention for the next title. And uh, and obviously Alfonso Davies, I think, he emerged as one of the best left-sided players in the world in the last 18 months. 
Uh, and that's really a, a, a big, big deal for MLS also, how good Davies has become uh, in Europe. But so they're, they're missing some guys. Honduras has got guys. I mean, everybody's missing guys in this tournament, right, because of the timing. So, um, yeah, I, I don't have a preference. Uh, although, look, I, I mean, I'd obviously rather play play Canada or play, um, play someone else and not play Honduras. But we, have to, we just have to perform. I, I mean, we have not looked um, sharp in this tournament. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the, 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 the way we played in the last 30 minutes, maybe especially the last 15 minutes of the match tonight, gives me some, uh, gives me some real hope for Sunday. Yeah, me too. And uh, we, we really have to see this team evolve. We have to see them all on all cylinders, attacking, you know, being creative, go into the opposition's area and just put ourselves in a better position to convert chances and to take a lead and to win the whole thing in 90 minutes or even more, depending on what's going to happen. We could go in extra time. We could go to penalties. There's a lot of questions, and I agree with you. Maybe we have a little bit of an answer in the last 30 to 35 minutes, but the truth is there are more questions than answers right now. And, you know, it's nice that the majority of this qualifying roster comes from players that do play in MLS. But, they're, they're, you know, the positions that they are playing in, or it's the system that they're playing in, you know, maybe that doesn't fit them and they need to play a different way. I mean, I think Jonathan Lewis of Colorado Rapids, I think he plays very well in this system. I think he's very comfortable in this system. And you know what? He got some rest today, which was the number one thing. And, and just to remind everyone, those are under a yellow Obviously, David Ochoa got a yellow card for the fracas uh, that started in his area towards the back end of the second half. Regardless of that, his yellow card gets wiped out. Every yellow card that was issued in the first three matches in the group stage, they're all wiped out. Clean slate, semifinals, here we come. We're just going to have to wait and see if the U.S. is going to play either Canada, Honduras, or I don't think it'll be either Haiti or El Salvador if they sneak in because they'll probably have to play against Mexico, but at least either Canada yeah. or Honduras, one of those two, they have to watch out for. And as John Strong said on Fox Sports 1, there is no third-place match. There is no uh, international playoff. You either go to the Olympics or you go home crying. That's right. That's correct. That's, again, and, you know, third place is... Uh... What we did last time, and then we played decently in in like down in Colombia, but we okay yep. uh, take it. So uh, there, there, there's none of that this time. I mean, look, I I thought we had failed when we lost to Honduras in the semis in 2015, and obviously there was false hope for several months that we come back and play uh, in 2020 uh, 15 March against Colombia. So here we are, five years later, with an opportunity with a team that's, again, I, it's tough to assess. I would say maybe not as good uh, uh, top to bottom as the team we, we tried to qualify with in 15 and 16, but probably better in, the, in, the, in, in, the, in central midfield, or we thought was better in central midfield coming into the tournament. Uh, so that's, yeah, we, we, we just have to get the job done. And then I think the other thing that's so important is psychologically, it's, it's a psychological hurdle. And I think it makes us yeah. much more optimistic about where we might be in 2026 or 2030 
in, in, in those full World Cup cycles if we can get back into the Olympic tournament. Um, it's been kind of stunning to see us do so well at the U20 level, but then there's something that's missing when those U20s turn into U23s, right? That's been um, a, a real takeaway in the last few years that we've done very well at the U20 level. We did pretty well uh, at the U17 level in, the, in, 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 uh, um, in, in at certain times, not, not quite as solid U17 as we've been at U20. But even, um, even back in the better days for the senior national team, who tended to be a drop-off from the 20 teams to the senior team. So um, I, I, we're already seeing that, the drop-off from the U20s to the U23s. And uh, we'll, 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 we'll see where, where it ends up. I mean, I think the thing that Greg Berhalter has done is Berhalter has, has, has effectively, and, and he's already indicating that this will be the squad for the Olympics, right? It's not his team, but he doesn't, doesn't want to risk um, – alienating European clubs. And I know Bradley was very strategic about this, too. I remember talking to Coach Bradley yeah. about Jonathan Spetzer in particular, his selection when he was playing at West Ham, that there were times he would just leave him there so that then the next time he went and asked West Ham, West Ham would release him. Um, Burhalter seems to be pretty concerned about the, the possibility that he may not be able to, um, to call uh, guys consistently for qualifiers if he, if he uh, knocked on the door too much for, for, for the Olympics, which are not a mandatory release event. Uh, it, uh, you have to release for World Cup qualifiers, right? But you don't have to release for uh, for the Olympics. So he wants the good relationships with the clubs. Uh, also, I think it's important that players yep. uh, uh, players are not scrutinized uh, because if you, if, if, you, if you start going to international tournaments and leaving your national team, you're leaving your club team, that may affect your next contract or your next move. So I, I think Verhalter is very conscious of that. Um, so th- these are the guys you'll see if we qualify. I don't, I, I don't expect to see uh, Eunice Mousse or, or uh, Serginio Guest or, or Tyler Adams or, or, or Weston McKinney, all the age-eligible guys. We are Josh Sargent. None of those guys are going to play in the Olympics. I'm telling you that right now. Okay? Uh, maybe one mm-hmm. of them will, but not all, all, the rest of those guys aren't. So this is the team. So let them prove it on Sunday that they belong. Yep, absolutely. No, I agree with you there. All right, Clark. Uh, yeah. Right. No, no, go ahead. Just finish yeah. up. Yep. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, I don't think Berhalter wants Moussa or, or, or Death going to the Olympics and getting hurt because qualifying starts right at the same time. So uh, if he has to say, yeah. if, you know, Eunice Moussa, let's say uh, we qualify, Christ wants Moussa and wants Death, Berhalter's going to say no. So just this is for the fans out there. This is the team we're going to send if we qualify. Don't, 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 I, I'm seeing all this stuff. Oh, we can call Moose in, we can call Sargent in. It's not going to happen. Uh, I think Burhalter, uh, and it's unfortunate because the Olympics have never conflicted with qualifying before, but this time they do. So they're not going to get, they're, qualifying is more important. I agree with you there. All right, Carter, that's going to do it for tonight. Uh, we'll get ready for Sunday. We'll see which time and which game they'll be playing in for the U.S. Now, once again, this is more for positioning. Obviously, bragging rights a little bit, but more for positioning to be in the semifinal uh, match, and we'll see what happens tomorrow night and who they'll face off against. And you'll join us for Sunday afternoon, early evening, uh, for the USA's uh, semifinal matchup. If they win, they go to Tokyo. Cardick, you have a good night, and I'll talk to you on Sunday. Yep, yep, talk to you Sunday. 
All right, great. For Carter Krishnar, this is Daniel Feuerstein. Welcome once again, and have a good night. CONCACAF men's qualifying USA at Mexico postgame show. United States falling to Mexico by final of one goal to nil, but honestly, it didn't matter. They're going to the semifinals in the tournament, and if they win that matchup, they go to Tokyo. Talk to you guys on Sunday. Take care. So long, and bye-bye for now. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.